welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachekai. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. What's up, you guys? It's a little bit different of a podcast episode today, but I'm really excited. We're going to miss Megan. She is out of town when we were planning on recording our podcast, but as fate would have it, my old friend Jay from Iron Fist Gym messaged us on Instagram and was like, hey, we need to do a podcast episode ASAP. The new year is coming up. Holidays are here. We got to talk about the all or nothing mindset with fitness goals, health goals, weight loss goals, strength goals, the whole gamut. So here we are. We're recording via Zoom. What's up, Jay? Hey, thanks for having me back. I'm really happy to be here. I'm curious what your opinion is as an owner of a gym. Well, well, let me back up here. Can you tell listeners what kind of training you specifically do? What is your gym about? What's your whole MO? Yeah, so we actually opened up the gym last July in the midst of a pandemic. And people are like, you crazy. You're going to open up a gym in a pandemic? And I said, yes, I am. And it's going to be a private training space because people still want to work out. They need help. They don't want to be around a bunch of other people. So the idea is let's open up this private training space. So we do um, basically everything across the gamut. You know, we do things from strength conditioning, uh, weight management, martial arts, boxing, self-defense, sports performance, youth conditioning, all that fun stuff. You know, we like to cater to basically whatever your goal is. We have a solution for that. Mm, Amazing. I love that. So you work with a lot of different people, which means you hear a lot of different things and opinions and thoughts and ideas, and Mm. probably like me as a dietitian, misconceptions about health. And I'm curious to ask you with the new year coming up, I'm not sure if you've had people start to talk about it or not, but what is your opinion on new year's resolutions? I, I like goal setting. You know, I like having something that we can strive for because it, it, it'll push us, you know, it'll motivate us, but we have to be realistic with those goals. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if somebody is saying, you know what, I want to become more active. Um, I just watch Netflix all day or whatever the case may be. And I'm going to work out three times a week. You know, I'm gonna, I want to meal prep on Sundays, all this other things. I'm going to really tell them, is that realistic? Like, it's okay to, to have those, those big goals and big ambitions, but you got to be realistic. How much time do you have? You know, and also, even if you have the time, that's a big change. You know, it's not even so much, yes, I have the time to work out five days a week, but you're going from no days to five days. Mm. The change itself is huge. Just entering this fitness journey or health journey. So be very realistic. Maybe you start a little bit smaller. You know, maybe you look at maybe one or two times a week. Be consistent with that. And then you can add in more times a week. Yeah, I I agree with you 99%. I love goal setting. I love any kind of situation or position that promotes forethinking thought, which is why I, I really buy into New Year's resolution and goal setting. It's like, okay, here's a time where things are 
relative to the person, a bit more peaceful. A lot of people aren't working as much and they have time to reflect on what they want in the long run. And that's really exciting. And that promotes the big dreaming, the big ambition. Maybe you're feeling like you ate too much during the holidays, but you've got some peace now and you're ready to get in it and you're going to go big or you're not going to go at all. And I get that. I feel like a lot of times I'm that kind of person as well. I don't know about you. I think a lot of us as, you know, people who work independently or in that health and fitness space have at least gone through that type of phase if we're not still in it to some degree. But when you have a big dream and a big vision, you also have to remember that Rome wasn't built in a day. And so okay. if you're trying to total, totally you know, give your life a facelift, so to speak, you want to start being more active, you want to change your eating habits, you want to do a complete 180, well, it, you got to do it one degree at a time. And that takes a little bit of humbling and very strategic planning. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's the thing too is, you know, budget your time as well, like write a plan. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going to work out X amount of times a week. Um, and these days I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to allow myself, you know, certain days that I may not eat as healthy as I, I, I would like to, but start with a plan. And then that way you have like a, I mean, you have a template, you have something that you can follow mm -hmm. and it's okay. You're going to divert off that plan. Like mm -hmm. I've been working out consistently. Well, I don't even say consistently. I've been working out for the past like 10 years, making it a habit of my life, but I have not been consistent the entire 10 years. Right. You know, it, it, the path of success is not linear. Like make sure you give yourself some room that you're going to divert off the path and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You can even plan for it. It's going to happen. Humans. We love linear plans. We like A, B, C, D, E. We don't like hills. We don't like bumps. And to that, I say too bad. So sad. I think that if we look back on a lot of things in our life, whether we're comparing or we're using, you know, relationships or academic achievements or buying a house or finances or whatever's really important to you. If you look back on the path of success, it, it's never linear. If it's linear, I think you're lying. And so I like what you're saying of expect and plan for turbulence, right? So the way I vision it is like this. It's like if you're creating a map and you start at the destination first, I, that's something that I always want my clients to do. I want them to visualize and really step into what does that big dream, that big goal look and feel like? What changes in your life? What changes about your body, if that's important to you? How do you feel? What changes about your family dynamic? whatever. So we paint that picture and there we go. And, and what people fail to do oftentimes is work down from that big vision and break it up into digestible chunks. It goes from, okay, here's my big vision. Um, okay. One step below, that's what I need to start with when really you need to create a whole path all the way from your map, from where you're starting and understand that if you want a complete lifestyle change, like you said, it's probably not going to the gym six days a week if you've only been to the gym twice in 365 days. <laughs> right. So let's take it one step at a time, but always keep that vision at the front of our mind and know that, hey, you know, we can take breaks during our, our journey on this metaphorical map. We can sit down for a little bit. We might backtrack. We might leap forward faster than we thought. There's always room for flexibility and modification of, of any parts of it. Yeah, and it makes it much more sustainable if you give yourself that room for flexibility. Mm -hmm. You know, if you do say, this is the plan, I'm not going to divert off of this, then what's going to happen is maybe you don't work out one day that you planned, and now you're not working out at all. Mm -hmm. Because you divert off the plan, and you didn't give yourself room for flexibility. 
-hmm. there's days you know i go I, I mean i'm in the gym like i own a gym and i tell clients i still have to convince myself to work out and i'm literally already in the gym yeah you know mm -hmm. and if i'm not feeling it that day i'll walk away but i know i can always work out the next day i can make it up or maybe i don't make it up that week you know mm -hmm. it's okay Mm -hmm. Give yourself some flexibility, plan for that flexibility. I want to ask you if you've seen this archetype of a person in your facility. And I think, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to paint the picture of a type of individual that I have come into the office. It's uh, um, oftentimes a female, but often a male too, who is an overachiever. They've done a ton of different things in their life. They're juggling eight things pretty well. And most of these things are very standardized or easy to measure using numbers or data. For instance, it could be with their job or their finances or their sales records. Perhaps it's their ability to be a parent. They're really, really good at making sure their kids are everywhere on time, that they have things to do, that they're taken care of, that they're fed. Their life is just very much in order from the outside. They're very, very um, organized. And when they begin a diet or fitness plan or health journey, they initiate this experience similar to how they would anything else. They have a very rigid plan. They have time increments. They have structure down to the absolute T. And as soon as life happens or they're unable to sustain this plan or structure for external reasons, whether it's because it's too restrictive or they go on vacation or their kid gets sick. It's like, oh my God, I'm a failure. I can't do anything. I'm just going to use this as an excuse to do what I used to do. I just said a lot there, but do you see that kind of person? Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially, you know, just kind of breaking down what you said, um, just measuring performance, if you will, or measuring that we're actually progressing. Mm -hmm. With numbers, it's easy. You know, mm -hmm. if you're in a business and you made X amount of money one month and now you made X more the next month, you're progressing. You can see that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Thumbs easy. up. You did it. But, you know, with fitness, it can be a little bit different. You know, progression could be I'm sleeping better. Mm -hmm. I have more energy. Mm -hmm. My clothes fit me better. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you realize that progression isn't always just numbers of I'm losing weight, because not everybody even wants to lose weight. Some people mm -hmm. want to gain weight, you know. Um, so I think that's kind of an arbitrary number to an extent, but you know, I'm lifting heavier weights and stuff. That's, that's good. But since the path is not linear, you're not going to always progress in that fashion. Yeah. You know, like you would with numbers. So look at how you feel mm. and, and I all but guarantee other people are going to notice the difference in you as well. A thousand percent. What I got from what you just explained was marrying two concepts, the numerical the tracking of progress because it is fun and valuable to see if you're progressing using numbers um, especially you know if you're trying to get stronger or if you are trying to hit a certain uh, number of repetitions in something or beat a distance right there's a lot of value in numbers and tracking progress but if that's the only thing that you're focusing on well then you forget about all of the other or maybe you don't pay as much attention or put as much value on all of the, shall I say, qualitative measurements of success. <laughs> One of my favorite things to ask clients, you know, as they progress and they make all these lifestyle changes, regardless of if their physical body changes or if their blood values change, or if we even know is, well, how do you feel about yourself compared to a month ago when you just started all of these things? How do you feel about yourself? And if somebody is really putting an effort, the answer is 
overwhelmingly, I feel so much better about myself. And they'll go on and on in all of the things that they notice. They're happier. They show up to life with a better mood. They're more excited to just take on tasks. They're not taking naps in the middle of the day. They've got energy to live a full life. And so if we can find ways to track what matters to a person's emotional or spiritual or mental health and not just the the data, well, then it becomes an enriching experience and you're going to more likely reach that destination on your map. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's much more sustainable. I mean, realistically, mm-hmm. let's say you want to lose weight, you're going to get to a point where you're not going to want to lose any more, any more weight because you're mm-hmm. going to be, it's not going to be in a healthy manner, right? And lifting weights is the same thing. People can lift weights and they can want to like deadlift or whatever. They can have a goal for that. But there's going to be a point where it's going to take a year just to add an extra five pounds because mm-hmm. you physically are going to plateau at some degree. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it from an emotional standpoint of happiness, energy, sleeping better, that's something that you can benefit from and you can continue striving and doing for like the long term. That's like a sustainable thing. Totally. You know, I find when people focus on those things in congruence with their other, you know, maybe performance or even body composition goals, they're more likely to achieve those performance and body composition goals because they're invested and they're like, there's no way I'm going back to how I used to live. This is the benefit. This is the positive experience. My life is so much better. I like myself better. And then those body composition changes tend to just follow suit. (laughs) what do you think is when it comes to weight training and exercise what are some of the biggest non uh weight loss or weight gain benefits that you see with your clients maybe it's something a client told you maybe it's something that you see all the time but never gets old what what dazzles you i mean for me a lot of it's like you know energy like i mentioned sleeping better but i like to do personally i like to do a lot of like stability training you know regardless Mm -hmm. of the age of the client and stuff like that and you know if somebody was to say like, you know, I, I tripped or whatever, but I didn't fall. Now mm-hmm. that sounds kind of like, okay, good. The person didn't fall. Right. But nobody wants to fall when they trip. Right. Yeah. But if you train in a, in a manner that your body is used to being in, in unstable conditions, when you trip, you're not, you're less likely to fall. And yeah. that's really important for individuals that are older, right? Because their bone density may not be as high as when they're younger. So for them, just something as simple as not falling, that's huge. Wow. And, and I love like just little things that I hear like that, where it's like, it, it's not something that people think of, but it, it benefits the everyday life. You know, you know, I'm moving better. I'm lifting better. I can now like you uh, garden much more. I can lift like the, that soil and that dirt and those planters and stuff. I can do it much more comfortably because I'm working out at the gym and everything. So it's just things like that, where people can enjoy the hobbies a little bit more and they're less like, in pain or discomfort and they just feel better doing the everyday tasks. That's what I really enjoy. What you're saying reminds me of Jocko Willink's whole, do you know Jocko Willink, the Navy SEAL? He's got a book where the underlying message is discipline equals freedom. And the theory is when you do something hard, like change how you eat, go to the gym and spend 30 to 60 minutes putting in effort. If it's driving past the fast food joint, the Krispy Kreme on your way home and eating the healthy stuff you've got in your fridge, that takes discipline, but then you gain a a bigger amount of freedom. And when you talk about the discipline it takes to exercise so that you don't fall, which could have the consequence of being in a hospital or getting surgery, AKA robbing you of some of your freedom, 
or Absolutely. having the energy to go in there in a garden and live a full life and do what you want, grow your own food. There is so much freedom that comes out of that discipline that is not related to body composition at all. And I Absolutely. think that's really cool. I mean, your quality of life will increase mm -hmm. in all facets. Tenfold. You know, I had a client, um, this was a few months ago, and she and I had been working together. I think we had like, th this is like her third or fourth session. And she was obese by BMI standards, right? So typically don't refer to BMI because oftentimes it's not the most valid form of measurement. But for her, it, it did make sense that she was in an unhealthy range of weight and she had started to lose weight. She was having some measurements, actually quite a bit of measurements come down. She'd send them to me because that's how she preferred to uh, integrate the numerical data. And we were discussing some of the things that had changed in her life since she started because she was a big going out to eat person. Her and her husband loved, like, like food was the focal point of their relationship. And she broke down crying to me because this might be a little bit of, of TMI, but her and her husband weren't able to have sex for a long time. Like they just physically weren't able to, there wasn't enough energy or stanima and now they can't, you know? And so she was telling me how much closer it brought her to her husband that because they were in it together, how now they had the energy and the ability and the desire and it went from being more active and changing what she ate. She had a sexual libido again. And I don't think, I don't think anyone listening to this is going to say like, well, that's not an improvement of life. Hey, we're all human, right? That's a definitely yeah. something that makes your life better and brings you. Well, it's funny that you said, cause yeah, intimacy will increase, especially yeah. when couples work out. I mean, there's a lot of physiological changes that occur when you work out, increased blood. Mm -hmm. blood flow and all that other stuff Air and modes. you know we can go on but yeah hormones, all that fun stuff so yeah who who doesn't want an increased libido and <laughs> to, to live a little bit healthier life in that nature right right and so that goes back to our uh, our initial point was that didn't just happen all these changes didn't just happen for these individuals the ones that didn't want to fall the ones that had the energy to go out in their garden or make love to their partner that didn't just happen because they went to the gym five days in a row the first week of January. It was an uphill battle. And I can think of at least the client that I'm talking about, there is no freaking way she would have been able to sustain the progress she made if she had given up going out to eat completely and forcing herself to work out every single day. Like that just wasn't her. She knew it. I knew it. That's what she had tried 800 times. It never worked. So we had to take the long, slow road and make sure that we stopped frequently to smell the roses for, for lack of a better metaphor, because things were going great, had to acknowledge them so that she could continue reaching her big, big goals. Yeah. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned kind of like the, the, the long, slow road, if you will, because slow progress is better than no progress. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and slow progress is something that you, it's much more manageable. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's easier for individuals to do. You know, I see it all the time on Instagram and everything else, you know, hey, lose 20 pounds in a month or, you know, let's, we can get you shredded five days a week or whatever the case would be. And I'm like, that's, that's just realistically, that's not sustainable. I mean, it may work in the short term, but you're going to yo-yo, you're going to go back to your old habits. You know, let's do stuff that's sustainable. Let's teach people how to live mm -hmm. sustainable lifestyles by making small incremental changes that can actually last. Can I share with you my theory about those quick fix gimmicks well i could go on yeah i'd love to hear it go on <laughs> no. with these things. i'll share mine and then you share yours mine is from the theory of somebody who buys in to that gimmick right so they know exactly what the consumer wants you're walking in the grocery store you see a magazine that says so-and-so lost 25 pounds of pure belly fat in 
two weeks. So that's really exciting. That lights up our nervous system. We're like, ooh, like that's possible. I want to do that. And I believe that maybe I don't have a number. I'm going to pull a number on my butt here. And this is just from my lens as a dietitian who works with people who have yo-yo dieted all over and over again. I think that 90, 95% of people who want to lose weight or change their lifestyle have to almost go through a quick fix attempt or two or three or four before it really sinks in that it doesn't work. It's almost like a rite of passage where you have to fail, right? Or you have to see that that structure fails you in order to come back down to earth and say, oh, this is very appealing because it's not real and it's not realistic. I have to try something else. And my hope is that that narrative changes as people become more conscious of how the quick fix is more harmful than helpful. But that's my experience, my theory. Would love to know your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. From a nutrition standpoint, when I see those like lose 20 pounds in a month, I mean, depending on how much the person weighs and things, you know, is it possible? Potentially, but for the average individual, um, one to two pounds a week is, is much more realistic in a healthy manner. So when you see 20 pounds a month, that, you know, for the average individual, they're probably in a severe calorie deficit. They're just drinking their calories and they're not really eating. Their mood's probably going to change. And from a fitness standpoint, you know, get shredded in six weeks or whatever. So you're going to go from being deconditioned to being shredded in six weeks. I, realistically, I don't really think so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you no, know, I Drugs yeah, and stimulants and illegal substances. <laughs> and the thing is, in a healthy manner, you, you need to do it methodically. Because if you just start putting on weight, like you start increasing what you lift, the chances of injury to the joints, ligaments, and tendons is going to increase because they're not conditioned to take on that additional resistance. So a lot of these plans that have you, you know, lifting heavier weight and we're going to add, you know, 100 pounds in three months or whatever the case may be, they may be doing more damage than good. Sure. because you're just you're not conditioned and it's not conditioning you properly to add on that additional weight it may I work see, i can see somebody who used to be like an athlete or used to be really fit when they were like in their 20s or 30s get back into it in their 40s and 50s and maybe have an ego about weight training and be like oh yeah like i used to be able to bench whatever and and then it's put you in um maybe a compromising position if you don't start from a beginner's viewpoint yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. Uh, I see it all the time. And, you know, unfortunately, those people usually have like a million followers or, mm-hmm. you know, the magazines are being bought and stuff like that. But it, it's it's slow progress. I mean, it's going to take it takes time. But that's what Photoshop editors are the best in the business. <laughs> oh, I, I went to school for graphic design and marketing. Like I could do all these marketing tactics and, you know, maybe I'd get a couple extra clients or whatever. I can do all this Photoshop stuff, maybe a couple extra clients. But that's not, that's not what I'm here for. You know, I, I want to help people live healthier, healthier, active lifestyles in a sustainable fashion, you know? Yeah, and, and you wouldn't have peace when you go to sleep, like thinking, exactly. about, like, oh, I screwed people over. And one thing I want to point out that you mentioned was the realistic weight loss. And I just had this conversation almost verbatim with a client yesterday. She was like, what should I expect to lose in a week? Like is one to two healthy? And I told her, I was like, you know what, if I had a magic crystal ball, And I could see what healthy weight loss looks like for you. I would tell you, but I don't because our weight fluctuates by the minute, by the second, it seems. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is, you know, weight training and in a caloric deficit, or if they're weight training and in a caloric maintenance or surplus, 
well, their weight could go either way. I mean, there's so many different fluctuations that impact the scale. I've seen some people who are, you know, on target 80 to 90% of the time with what they need to do to get to that ultimate destination. First month, they barely change at all. And then all of a sudden it hits them like a freight train. They get into a groove and their body composition starts shifting. And I've seen some people who experience changes right away and then they hit a plateau and maybe a little bit of a, a gain or a loss in the opposite direction. And then they're back. It, it's so variable that you can't use weight loss as your only or your soul or even your primary form of progress and that's where we talk about like oh use your actions use how you feel use your mood use your strength use your fitness all these other things to measure if you're getting from a to b yeah absolutely and like you said i mean it can fluctuate like hormones sleep water Mm -hmm. intake like all those things could change pounds a day i mean totally yeah shouldn't be the only measure of uh, progress My favorite one to tell people is when you step on the scale, if you still have food in your digestive tract or poop, then (laughs) that's going to impact your weight. So that's why I have some clients who are like, I don't get it. Like I ate in a caloric deficit yesterday and I worked out and I went up two pounds and I was like, well, did you poop? And they're like, I don't think so. And I'm like, "Mm okay, then then don't worry about it. (laughs) Like it's probably your food mass. Uh, So yeah, I, I think that it's, our responsibility as leaders in in the health industry to make that narrative more well known. And I don't know if you have any Gen Z clients, but one of my favorite things to do, and this is like a, a, maybe like a personal obsession for me is to compare differences in generations and demographics on how they speak about fitness and wealth and body image. And it's obvious if we think about it from an outside perspective that a 20 year old is going to talk differently than a 50 year old. But I am amazed at the differences between my 20-year-olds and my 30-year-olds. I don't know if you've seen how the Generation Z, the younger, the young kids, how they talk about fitness, but have you noticed any differences or do you have any clients in that age range? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have clients from 15 to like, I think like 58. So Mm. like across the entire generational spectrum. And funny enough, even for the teenager, I don't even do body weight or any of that stuff we measure progress by how many push-ups can you do in a minute mm-hmm. how many pull-ups can you do like you know for that because at mm-hmm. that age and things um unless they're they're severely obese i don't think you really have to use that as a measure of progress for weight um for the 20 year olds it's usually it's it's about vanity they just want to look good at the beach you know they want to like they just want really want to look good and there's nothing wrong i don't think there's any um reason to work out that is better or worse than another reason because for each person it means something different and it's unique to that person so if somebody says hey i want to look good usually it's the people in their 20s right like i want a bigger butt or i want bigger biceps or whatever um if that gives them more confidence hey that's awesome like all right let's do it people in their 30s you know especially when there's their parents is they just want to keep up with their kids you know they they want to obviously they do want to look good as well but um you know they just want to be able to keep up with the kids they want to increase their sleep um they want to think about longevity so when their kids get older they can still play with them grandkids and all that fun stuff right um 40 year olds they're really kind of looking at okay i'm gonna start <laughs> i'm gonna start getting older like aging um i want to make sure like my bone density is high so i don't have to worry about osteoporosis particularly the women right women and increasing muscle mass and things like that and then in 50s it's just at that point they they want to enjoy their hobbies you know they want to do stuff where they can garden and not have to worry about the back pain or not being able to lift something or whatever the case may be. 
No, that's kind of that's kind of broad because it can kind of it can kind of vary. But that's been my experience mm-hmm. for the different generations and how their uh, their goals and what their take is on fitness. I think we have different experiences because what you explained almost feels not opposite, but it's different than what I've seen. What I see with the twenty-year-olds is less emphasis on their body shape or at least less language around that. I often find that the core desire is still to change their body shape or look a certain way, whether it's being more toned, I hear that a lot, or less bloated, whatever that means. I think that's oftentimes more acceptable terminology for wanting to lose weight. But they talk about things and they're more willing than my 30, 40, and 50-year-olds to measure progress and put more emphasis, positive emphasis, on the feeling aspect or how their life changes. A 22-year-old's more likely to come in really excited and tell me how her relationship with foods improved versus my 45-year-old. I think the core trend I see with almost anybody's age is a desire. I don't want to say this for everyone because it's not everyone, but there are I I don't see any changes in the desire or the percentage of people that want to change their body composition to be more favorable across the age gaps. But I agree with you that I notice the primary reason to want to be healthier or weigh a different weight or change their diet is more, if we get into like the older range, is more for longevity and being able to live a full life. Um, And the reasons tend to become more let's say close to the heart as people get older. But I do see that young kids or young girls, at least the language they use to me is very different than I just want to look skinny. I want to, they'll never say that to me. I want to look skinny. I want to, you know, have a six pack. They don't say those things to me, but my 30 and 35 year olds will. That's funny. Yeah. Usually my 20 year olds will say that, but the, the thing is everybody benefits. There's one common denominator that everybody benefits from and that's improved quality of life. Mm-hmm, totally. Like regardless of the age improved quality of life. Everybody benefits from that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I live in, I've talked about this in the podcast before. I live in an apartment complex that's very, very community based. Everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people know people. We all do things together and I love to just observe people and human behavior. And I often feel like when I'm at the pool in my apartment complex, I am at the watering hole of an African safari (laughs) and just watching the way people interact and the friends or the people I know who don't care about their health. They are not exercising. You know, they are the kind of people I know who just order in pizza every weekend to the, to the pool and eat tons of it until they're sick and drink a bunch of beer and party their quality of life from my perspective, or at least what I've experienced is so much poorer than the people who are on the other side of the spectrum who really do take care of their physical health and they really do take care of, uh, you know, how are they mindful of how they eat and what they do. And it's so interesting to see that because I think when you're in the midst of, you know, your day-to-day routine, it's hard to notice the differences in how you feel and how you show up in the world uh, when you are used to living in a certain routine. So I always tell people who are interested in improving their nutrition, improving their fitness, to really pay attention to those minor details and how you show up in situations and use that as fuel. Yeah, you know, and for the societal definition of success, like if it's having wealth or having uh, the means to work at a job or a career that you're passionate about, if, if you look at individuals that would we would say would be deemed successful, right? They all have something in common is that they took 
a lot of pride in their health mm-hmm. and their fitness, mm-hmm. you know, and health and fitness can lead to success in life and other aspects. Thousand percent. The parallels are uncanny. Someone who is really, really, uh, you know, focused on taking care of their physical body, they're usually successful in other areas of their life. And this is a generalization, but I see that a lot. Yep. I see that a lot as well. So to wrap up today, I want to ask you if you had one or two pieces of advice for somebody who's starting at zero or close to zero and they know they've got a big picture in mind, they've got a big dream, but they're not sure what next step or two to take. What would you tell them? Uh, So it's funny, like I'm listening to this book called Hustle by Joshua Madcalf. Um, I definitely recommend people check it out. But he has something in there. He says, dream big, start small, and execute those small things very well. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I would say is you can have a huge goal, but you got to be realistic with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and even if you have the time, if you're starting from nothing and you're trying to add in all this stuff at one time, that's a big change. Start small, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's going to the gym one time a week and be consistent with that. And then when you're consistent, you can add another time a week. Mm-hmm. I would think nutrition is something very similar. Um, the other thing too is seek a, a strong support group. You know, that could be family, friends, personal trainer. Shameless plug, but personal trainer, right? So somebody who's going to help motivate you, encourage you. You're much more likely to be successful if you have a strong support group. Mm-hmm. And that could also be if you're comfortable um, in these times going to small group training classes and things like that at the local gym or at the park or whatever. But I think like dream big, start small, execute those small things very well. And your environmental factors, such as having a strong support group, those two things are going to make a huge difference. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up the support part because when you have a tribe or a community of people that are moving in the same direction of you, then your your rate of success is going to increase as exponentially. Um, you know, I and it's funny you said I had a DAP client today. It's our daily accountability program client. She sent me a message yesterday, and I got back to her about it today about how it feels so much easier when you've got someone on your team that keeps you from second guessing yourself. And I was like, wow, that's the magic of having accountability, whether it's professional, whether it's communal, Uh, because when you are trying something new and you're embarking on a new journey, it is so easy to be like, "Uh, is this really worth it? Is this actually what's going to help me? Is this healthy? Is this the answer? Because you get on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok and everyone's telling you opposing advice. So when you have a a clear path, knowing that there are multiple paths to get to one destination, and you've got a support group cheering you on and reminding you to stay the course, you're less likely to be the the kind of person who second guesses herself or himself and gives up. And I thought that was really, really powerful for for her to notice that about herself. And our next steps is to help her develop that trust within herself and find support outside of just professional accountability. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even us professionals, you know, we have a support group too. Totally. I mean, everybody can benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I can see it myself when I hang around my friends who are the type that want to just like eat whatever and they don't really care about what's going on. It's hard for me not to absorb some of that and go along with group think. So don't underestimate the importance of who you spend time with and who's supporting you and who's not. Absolutely. Jay, I really appreciate you taking time to record this today. Can you share with listeners if they're, you know, in your area or they want to follow you on Instagram for training tips or, or what's the best way to connect with you? 
Yeah, so um, I'm in Miami. We're located in the, the Kendall area. So the gym is Iron Fist Gym LLC. And that's also our Instagram. So you can follow us on Instagram at Iron Fist Gym LLC. We also have a website, which is ironfistgymllc.net. And you can also um, reach out to me on my personal Instagram, which is medfitscientist, where I post like uh, reels of workouts and I'm more than happy to answer any questions. I love it. I will make sure I put that in a little episode description. And guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget that we are still doing our giveaway. If you guys found this episode really helpful, if you got a nugget of information, if you screenshot and post to your stories and tag at nutrition awareness on Instagram, uh, nutrition.awareness. And you can also go ahead and tag Iron Fist Gym LLC, let them know that you're listening. Then we enter you in a monthly giveaway for a free coffee. And if you don't drink coffee, we'll send you an Amazon gift card. <laughs> but make sure you share it and tag us. Otherwise, we won't see it and we'll enter you in our drawing. You get unlimited entries. So if you listen to this podcast, if you listen to the podcast I did with Jay, what was it, eons ago, (laughs) tag that one and you'll get another entry. So thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.